0: Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be It Works How and Why Study and Commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and in context of the material within our book, It Works How and Why. All right, folks, this is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there are going to be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide commentary of the text toward reaching those seeking a resource like this. We know if one person benefits from our efforts, we collectively believe, even including us, then our participation was well worth the effort. We're going to start off with our introduction, and then we're going to jump into the text, and get a pen, a highlighter, and get ready to go. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, everyone. This is It Works, how oh, I study for the Anonymous podcast, episode 11. We're going to begin on page 39 at the bottom with most of us, but first we're going to give our introductions. Lisa, what's happening?
1: Hello, hello. I'm Lisa H. I'm an addict. My clean date is February 25th, 2012. My home group is Monday Night Miracles in Meadville, and I attend meetings in the central western Pennsylvania area.
0: Thanks, Lisa. What's up, Jane A?
1: Hello, everybody. Jane A. here from the
2: Mid Willamette Valley area of Narcotics Anonymous in Salem, Oregon. My clean date is December twenty second, nineteen seventy nine, and I my home group is the Thursday Tuesday Basic Text Study meeting. All right, thanks, Jane. What's up, Paul?
3: Hey everyone, I'm Paul M. I'm an addict. I attend meetings in New Orleans, Louisiana. My clean date is January 6, 1995, and my home group is Open Mind. Thanks, Paul. What's up, Barb?
4: Hey, Douglas, I'm Barb R. in the Panhandle of Florida. My clean date is 10 4 95, and my home group is
5: Open Mind. Thanks, Barb.
0: Lee P.,
2: what's happening?
5: Hey, guys, Lee Addict uh clean date eight twenty seven eighty seven. Attend 10 meetings in new orleans and my home group is open mind
0: you see the open minds represented very heavily tonight very nice very nice andrew what's going on
6: friends uh my name is andrew g addict uh my clean date is may 16th 2008 my home group is no matter what in north atlanta georgia <laughs>
0: thanks andrew what's up
6: Eric?
7: what up uh, my name is eric i'm addict Clean date is September 16, twenty nineteen, and my home group is Friday night clean in Bradenton, Florida.
0: Thanks, Sarah. What's up, Jennifer?
8: Hi, everyone. My name is Jennifer, and I'm an addict. My clean date is November twenty seventh, nineteen ninety two. I attend meetings in Sacramento, California, and my home group is Journey Within.
0: All right, thanks, Jennifer. And I'm an addict. My name's Douglas. I got a clean March twelfth, two thousand, in southwestern PA. Stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. All right, here we go, folks. The work Study for the Anonymous podcast, episode 11, the bottom of page 39 with most of us. Lisa, would you be willing to start us off?
1: Sure thing. Glad I did not pregame this week. (laughs) Uh, I'm glad I don't, though, because if I did, you'd be sending me to Share Planners Anonymous instead. Um, So most of us don't have much experience with the type of self-appraisal we are about to do and we must have the guidance and support of our sponsor in order to understand what we're doing. Our sponsor may give us a format to follow, certain subjects or points to concentrate on, or just general guidance. Not only can our sponsor provide direction for the actual inventory, he or she can encourage us to be courageous, remind us to pray, and be emotionally supportive throughout this process. We often strengthen our relationship with our sponsor by relying on her or his experience at this time. Consistent action on our fourth step is important. We can't afford to delay work on our inventory. Once we begin writing, we need to continue our inventory until we are done. If we have a tendency to procrastinate, it is a good idea to set aside a certain amount of time each day to work on our inventory. Such a routine establishes our inventory as a high priority in our lives. If we put our fourth step away once we have begun, we run the risk of never returning to it. Um, So I'm really glad that this... Um, like our study tonight kind of starts off by emphasizing sponsorship, um, because that is one of, you know, I was taught that sponsorship is a form of service. Um, and it's one of my favorite parts of narcotics anonymous, um, you know, like our sponsorship booklet talks about sponsorship is the heartbeat of narcotics anonymous. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful for that because it talks about like the sponsor's role in the fourth step and, I know like there's some shit like especially my first couple of fourth steps like there's some shit in there that I don't think I could have faced by myself like it was stuff I already knew it was things I had already done um but at the same time like just the process of that um I came in scared right like terrified that like another person would find these things out and wouldn't love me anymore and um you know the the sponsors that I have had in giving over my fourth and fifth steps have for the most well I'm not going to lie. I had one really negative experience. Um, and maybe I should share that real quick just to kind of get it out there because it happens. Right. Um, like my previous sponsor, um, I had her for five or six years, probably, uh, she relapsed and left the fellowship and that was really devastating for me because she was my person, um, through a couple of inventories. She was my person through like the shit I've shared about, um, you know, with you guys about my marriage, about moving, relocating. Like I had been through a lot of shit in that like five or six years with this woman. Um, and each time I did that inventory with her, it brought us closer. Right. And like, I really valued that relationship, but I also can recognize too, like at certain points, we were more like friends than sponsor sponsee. Um, and I think there did come a point where I don't like to say I outgrew her, but she just wasn't that person for that necessarily anymore. And when she relapsed and left the fellowship, she used some of that shit against me. Um, the silver lining of this though, is I stay in the process, which I think is what this little piece of the reading is talking about. And the way that like, I came through that was, um, she also sponsored like a handful of other women, my sisters. Um, and when that stuff happened, it was like, we were sort of pitted against each other, you know, cause like we're addicts doing addict shit, right? Like the manipulation and the splitting in the family, we sat down and had a dinner and we like kind of took a little group inventory of ourselves and said, like, these are the assets that we have as a sponsorship family. Like here's what we've also learned not to be. Um, this is what we don't do to the women that we sponsor with their four step shit. And we came together and got through it together, right? We supported each other until we were all able to find other sponsors um, and I'm so grateful for that opportunity because it really like squashed a lot of shit for one. I um, mean, it was a really great example for me of just like applying the principles that were taught as we're coming through these situations and also like how to do like a spot inventory. Um, but for me, like I even had to put that stuff through a four step because that was like a whole other resentment, right? Um And I tend to not procrastinate on my fourth step. Like the first couple of times I did it, I was taught like, you get 30 days to finish this writing. Um, And I know like some people don't care for deadlines. I do. So like when I walk a woman through the fourth step, like I tell her, I ask her like, what's a reasonable deadline for you? Let's not procrastinate. Let's not wait. Um, I know we kind of joked last week about one, two, three drink, but like, I don't, I don't mess with that. Like, I want to get through that as soon as possible for myself. So with that, I'll pass.
0: Lisa, thanks for those, um, thanks for those comments. I think it's really cool to, <clears throat> and, I, and I'm glad that you shared that story because look, for the folks listening, it is absolutely possible that you're going to have a sponsor or a friend or whatever break confidence. And it's absolutely sp- possible that you may be in a position one, one time where you're going to break confidence. You know, those, those things happen. What's what's really cool what I've seen in situations like that, it's usually some people who have um, some recovery and maybe some, some spiritual footing that would be in that group and say, Hey, look, man, why don't, why don't we just shut this down real quick? This, this, this isn't stuff that we need to know that was in in confidence. And that's really cool to see people grow, you know, like that. Um, and then also too, uh, as we continue on the, in the journey of our step work, look, man, what my fourth and fifth step, you can't hurt me with it. Look, step one, two, and three, man, pr- pr- prepare me to take that fearless and, it, it, thorough and fearless. Boom! I'm right here. You can't hurt me with it. Just cannot do it. Take all the bullets out of the gun. Just really cool. So, in 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 the last thing, Jen, I'll I'll, I'll kick it over to you. That's really cool. How you have the you know you work with a deadline with the sponsee, you know whatever that looks like, whether it's a flat book or whatever else. And i you know, Jane last week alluded to was it ten questions a week? I think it was. You know, you said that. And then, Paul oh, down in Pensacola, I think it was at Fun in the Sun or wherever Fun in the Sun was. I think we interviewed one. of the guy, he said, "Look, it doesn't matter what step it is. It's thirty days. If he's working with a with the guy, if they don't rock, if they don't have it done in thirty days, you don't want me to sponsor you." I was like, "God damn, that flat boy. That's a that's a novel." You know, with shout days.
3: out to Ed Jay on the uh, thirty day.
0: And, and he was serious about it too, wasn't he? he was like, "Hey, fuck them. They don't get their thirty days or find somebody else." You know. All right, Jennifer, what's happening? <laughs>
8: My sponsor does the same thing I mean she doesn't do the 30-day thing but if we're meeting to do step work we make a date before we leave to to meet the next time um and I need that personally you know what I mean otherwise I'll wait and wait and sometimes I still wait till the day before or the day of I'll do it on my lunch hour you know like I've not I've been known to do that before you know so we're not perfect thank god uh and and Lisa I want to thank you for sharing that um you know, my, my very first sponsor that I talk about that specifically behind my four step, right. Like she was the one who said the shit, but I was like, there's no way that she can be surprised by any of my behavior. And I picked her to be my sponsor and and she went out a long time ago and she's still out, you know, and it doesn't, for me, you know, it makes me sad that she's gone and I still love her and, and occasionally check in with her, but I. It doesn't take away from what she did for me, and it doesn't take away from what I pass on from what she taught me. And so, um, you know, we don't all get it around here, and, and some of us make decisions to not be here anymore, but it doesn't take away anything for me. I still am grateful that she was around when she was and she did what she did. Um, and, and I say that with this sentence of like, not only can our sponsor provide direction for the actual inventory here, she can encourage us to be courageous, remind us to pray. And, you know, after a one, two, three with my sponsor, she knew me well enough to know where my hiccups were and what I was going to struggle with already. Right. And so she, she did a lot of that, you know, if she knew that I was struggling or I was calling her to tell her, um, she always had that encouragement or that reminder, you know, that, that, that this is already done, right. All we're doing is just Writing it down and talking about it. You already did it. It's already gone. And she was really, really good at that. And everything that she did, I, of course, feel like she did for me, which I, I believe that she did, but it was what she learned from others in Narcotics Anonymous. It's what people did for her, right? It's that thing we keep talking about. Um, you know, uh, we as addicts, for me, oh, well, I'll just say me, right? I don't, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have those people to guide me, right? Like I didn't have any idea what the fuck I was doing. And I sure didn't know how to do a thorough inventory, nor did I even know. Like by the time I got to my four step, I don't know how old I was. I was still a teenager. I was still trying to bop around figuring out, like, you know, I was still trying to figure out how to get him to fix me, you know. So like I needed this encouragement. I needed this stuff to 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 get me to that place where you know I could dump all of it you know um and that consistent action on our four step is important and, and I'll tell you I was not consistent on my first four step and I was not you know I was always I was either in it or I was taking a break or I was in it and for me it took it took longer than it needed to and it caused a lot more pain and drama in my life than I needed and I have that experience now I look back and go I don't actually have to do that that was pretty miserable um but She still was there encouraging me, reminding me, you know what I mean? All this other stuff. And with that just came this beautiful relationship between her and I, where I felt like, you know, she knew me, she knew about me, she knew what made me tick. And so she knew how to not only encourage me, but she also very subtly would tell me how to do things because she knew I didn't do well with orders. She would very subtly have this way of speaking to me where I would go, oh, okay. And I would do it. And it literally was her telling me what to do, you know? And I'm really grateful for all of that. And and I really believe, and and I'll say this and I'll pass, like a lot of times when we talk about it differently, and I'm going to be controversial for a second, Lisa, because like out here, a lot of people are like, being a sponsor is not service, that's your 12th step, right? And so we have this whole big controversy in the fellowship over here, whether or not it's service, not that we don't need, not that we need anything to argue about. I don't really care. Um, But that's just how it it goes down over here. And so, um, you know, and I don't really, Listen, if that's your form of service, great. If it's not, that's okay too. But, you know, this process that we have, um, you know, doesn't happen with, you know, somebody before me and then somebody after me. And so um, she really did teach me how to pass on those things and learn about the person that I'm working with enough to know like what, what, what they needed to move forward, right? Like, I don't care how you do it. Let's do it. Let's get it done. And how we get there, let's get to 12, you know, and um, and that was her goal with me. So anyways, with that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thanks for those comments, Jennifer. Andrew, would you be willing to read the next two? The second one, is a really long one's going to take us to the bottom of 41. You read the next two?
6: Yeah, bro. Thanks. Um, we are painstaking and detail oriented in our inventory. We systematically examine all aspects of our lives. We begin to see and understand the truth about ourselves, our motives and our patterns. It is important that we look at more than one dimension of our experience. What motivated us to act the way we did? What repercussions did our behavior have in our lives? How did our behavior affect those around us? How did we harm others? How did we feel about our actions and others' reactions? While these are only a few of the points we address in our inventories, we have found them and other issues like them to be essential areas to examine. In the fourth step, it is important to take a good hard look at how fear has worked in our lives. Our experience tells us that self centered fear is at the root of our disease. Many of us have pretended to be fearless when, in fact, we were terrified. Fear has driven us to act rashly in trying to protect ourselves. We have often been paralyzed into inaction because of our fears. We may have resorted to scheming and manipulating because we feared the future. We went to extremes to protect ourselves from what we saw as potential loss, disaster, and a constant lack of what we needed. In the past, we had no faith that a higher power would care for us. Therefore, we attempted to to take control of our lives and everything around us. We used people, we manipulated, we lied, we plotted, we planned, we stole, we cheated, and then we lied some more to cover up our schemes. We experienced envy, jealousy, and deep gut-wrenching insecurities. We were alone. As we drove away the people who cared about us, we used more drugs, trying to cover up our feelings. The lonelier we felt, the more we tried to control everything and everybody. We suffered when things didn't go our way, but so strong was our desire for power and control that we couldn't see the futility of our efforts to manage events. In our new lives, we have faith in a loving God whose will for us is better than anything we can manipulate or control for ourselves. We need not fear what might happen. Holy shit. Wow. Um, you know, in that first paragraph, I love that it talks about, it is important that we look at more than one dimension of our experience. And I think when I first came to NA, like, I was not, I don't want to say I wasn't equipped for that, but kind of like what it said in the in the previous paragraphs that Lisa read, like, I, I was not, like, really well versed in, like, taking an inventory about self-appraisal, you know. Um, and so, like, it did not come natural to think about me like how did my actions affect other people you know it felt very much like in my first couple of four steps of well this is what i did wrong but this is why like cuz they hurt me you know or like i acted out but i was sick so what do you want from me you know um and i feel like the the more that i'm around the more that i can sort of start to consider stuff right um it's a really cool thing about like being clean for a little while and and, and like getting kind of, I guess, more well-versed in inventory is my ability to zoom out, you know, that like, I start with my feelings and my actions about like, I'm hurt. So this is what I did. And then I can zoom out and say like, well, why did I do that? You know, uh, how did that impact somebody else? What was I thinking? You know, all of these little questions. And each time I'm able to pull up a little bit and sort of divorce myself from my feelings, you know, Um, and in a perfect world, when I show up correctly every once in a while, like I can kind of remember that before I, uh, you know, make the same mistake twice and say like, oh, this impacted my family poorly, you know, or like this put me at odds with one of my fellows. Like maybe I don't need to do that this time. Like maybe I can sidestep my own bullshit. Sometimes, a lot of times no, but sometimes yeah. Um, and that second paragraph, man, I, I mean, it kind of reminds me of who is an addict. In the basic text, which is like one of my favorite pieces of NA literature, um, I really love the doom and gloom stuff that that we write about. You know, I love our doom and gloom literature because I life is so good today, man. It is so good, and even when it's bad, it's still really, really awesome. And I have to remember what it was like to be clawing to like manipulate and like if I can just make these things happen, if, if people will just do what I want. And how much fear was behind that, you know, and how much hurt and pain and it never worked, you know, Um, and like, thank God it didn't work. Right. Um, And it's so funny to think about, like, how futile that stuff is that I can still do it today, that I can still try to manipulate. I can still like act in dishonesty because I have to get what I want, because I know that it's the thing that's going to make me feel good. Right. Right. I know that I know what's best for me. Um, And when I can just like let go of that a little bit, right? Or like getting some space from it and realizing like, bro, like you don't know fucking anything. It's fine. Like just put one foot in front of the other and have just a little bit of faith, right? Um, You know, when I came to NA, like I was this, like I was 19 years old and I was living with mommy and daddy. And like, I, I just, I didn't know anything you know, and I was so convinced that, like, I knew some shit, right, and I love, like, reading this stuff and connecting with, like, I can still be that scared little boy sometimes, you know, like, if I start retreating from you guys, and I go back into self, that, like, that fear is right there, and, like, it'll creep in, and it'll blot out all y'all, it'll blot out all of this, and if I could just, if they would only, you know, Um, so, yeah, I love that doom and gloom shit, man.
0: Thanks for those comments, Andrew. I think it's really cool too. The second paragraph points out a couple of different places, the uh, where the self-centered fear is the root of the disease, and then over on on forty one, it talks about like, hey, potential loss, disaster, and constant lack of what we needed. And that's really my story, man. Like if you boil down, like you know my fear or or you know the sickness that's within me, it's it's I get I get absolutely terrified of losing something that I have or not obtaining something that I desire. And man, does that it, Everything else can be built upon that to where it's like, no, God, you don't have this. I need to manipulate. I need to lie. I need to do whatever it is because I'm, if not, I'm going to lose what I have or not get what I want. You know, it boils down to those two, two buckets, but here's the cool thing, man. Like that, the, those last couple of sentences right here are new lives. That's awakening of my spirit, man. You know, after, after my spirit ha- ha- has been changed, I-, I can have faith and love in God whose will is better than, than what I can manage, you know, manipulate whatever. Here's the here's the thing that, that really fucked me up about this, though. There's a lot of seasons of my recovery where I was so hesitant of, of chasing God's will for me because it and it always echoes here. Really, not money so much, and really maybe like not, not food so much, but it was always like, if I really tune in to like what 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 God's will for me, I ain't fucking again. I just ain't gonna do it, man. It just ain't in the cars. Like that's what. That's what God's will is, is to have me not fucking. And it was just, it was, there's a lot of fear like with that, man. Like there's a lot, you know, for me there was. And uh, couldn't be further away from the truth. Absolutely couldn't be further away from the truth, man. Like when I, when I pursue a relationship with, with, with my higher power, I'm sustained inside. I can enjoy sex in its right proportion. I say that right proportion very loosely because I'll still have some seasons where, you know, where 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 I'll masturbate more than I sleep in a 24 hour period, but you know, we'll try to get those days down uh in numbers. But anyhow, but like I then I can enjoy food, man, and money, you know, and things like that in right proportion. And that's really cool. You know, that's really cool. And then and then the last sentence, I man, that's the hope shot as we as we start to talk a little bit more about what it looks like to walk this four step out. I don't need to fear like what might happen. You know, it's not going to be okay. It already is okay. I, mean, I get a lot of comfort in that. And it's really
5: cool. What you got, Father Lee? Um, you just said everything I wanted to say, Douglas. Uh, I should probably just lower my hand. I was I was reflecting on uh, someone had made a post on Facebook about, about Jerry yesterday. And he was my guide my first eight years in a row. Um, which brought up a whole lot of feelings today, but, but when, uh, when Andrew was reading that, it talks about our experience tells us that self-centered fear is at the root of our disease. And and I can remember how fearful, uh, my life had been when I got to NA and, you know, I, I brought all that, that baggage in with me and, and it was a lot of insanity, um, like, I got medals when I was in the military for doing stuff, and I was terrified. And, you know, people were like, "Ah, oh, you're so crazy, you know, like, oh, dude, you're the man. But inside, it was just this insecure, shaky, crazy, scared, never going to let my guard down person. And and it talks about all of that. And you just covered it, Douglas. You just went through all of it. We lied, manipulated, plotted, planned, stole, cheated. Because I didn't think I was going to get what I wanted. I was always worried. I was poor as a child. We didn't have shit. You know, I was told I was never going to be shit my whole life. Well, until I was 11. My dad died when I was almost 12. and And he said that every day. And so... At a certain point in the dope game, the illusion of control was what held me together. Like I saw something, I was watching something on TV the other day and it was talking about the beginning of uh, when when people were cooking cocaine and this guy burned himself up with, with ether. And I remember protecting the way we cooked it. It was a secret. Because once people figured out how to cook it without ether, then everybody would know the secret. And I controlled that more than I controlled the money stashed in the fucking armory. I mean, insanity, that's true insanity. And it, and it was always about, I need to get what I want out of this situation. And in and, and that part of, of life, it was about drugs and sex and drugs and sex and sex and drugs. Lisa, you made me lose my train of thought earlier with that. I wish you guys could see that, but you you can only hear it on the podcast. Um, And Douglas, you said it, no, I'm just repeating what you said. We need not fear what might happen because it's already all right. And and Barb shared last night at Open Mind and she made me laugh. I was talking about that guy who sponsored me my first eight years. He taught me that it was already all right. And if I was doing the basics, I never have to get back to them. And that has served me superbly well for, for over three and a half, almost over three and a half decades, man. So if you're listening and you're trying to get through a fourth step, just keep doing The pain of doing it is far less than the pain of not doing it. And those are my comments. Thanks. Thanks for those comments, Lee. What's up, Lisa?
1: Uh, I'm also super glad that the listeners can't see us because Paul taught me dirty sign language in Virginia Beach in January, and I cannot stop. It's my new problem. See, now everybody's doing it. (laughs) Um, so I'm going to just kind of throw some shit out there, I guess, because like, it's really funny. Nobody can see us, but like this whole entire paragraph in my book, like I have just a line down the side and it says me in the margins, because like this, this paragraph takes my inventory so hard. And I, I know it says like, Hey, this is like, we were, we did, we felt we experienced, but like, this can still be me now. Um, especially if I don't stay in my inventory process and like the piece that really, like hits me still um is like the relationship inventory and like Doug kind of you know brought that out in the open like sex can still be a big area where i am also sick not in the context of like i'm having lots of it with everybody but just like the core beliefs that i have and that i like grew up with associated with sex having come from like a past of abuse like this inventory process Has been so essential in helping me to develop a healthier relationship with sex right um because like i you know in inventorying and like through this process i've discovered like i had this belief that like if i wasn't being objectified i wasn't loved right um and and that can be really difficult for me even now because like that line the lonelier we felt the more we tried to control everything and everybody right And like, even right now, like I am in probably like the healthiest relationship I have ever been in, in my life. Like this dude is my soulmate. Like he's one of us. He's got a solid program. We keep it separate. Like it's dope. Right. Um, but like we live life too. And we go through seasons. Right. And sometimes like I get in my head about like the envy, jealousy, insecurity, like all of that shit that this talks about. And I have those moments where like, I'm fucking marrying this dude and my disease will still ask me well, does he even like you? And like, does he like you, like you, or does he just like you? Right. Like we're fucking planning a wedding. Right. (laughs) And like, I still can get like all of that, all of that shitty stuff can still creep in. Well, you know, if he's not like essentially objectifying me, like, does he care about me? And like, for me, that's why, like, it's so important for me to stay in that process. And like, that shit's fucking hard to say out loud. Right. Um, Because like, I love this person and I, it it can be really embarrassing and really frustrating that like that aspect of my disease is still there, you know, even with over a decade clean. And like, I also, like Doug said, I love the last part of this where it talks about like my higher powers will is being better than anything I could manipulate anything that I could try to control anything that I can like even dream up like my higher powers will is always better like anytime I've ever had a plan and the universe laughed at it it was always better than what I had in mind which is really funny because like I forget that shit sometimes but then like you know my my partner's actually like he's stressing out about some shit that hit the fan with us not with us but you know outside stuff business stuff and I'm literally telling him like the stress ends with your third step, right? Like God's got us. We've never been up against anything that's killed us yet. And like, for some reason it's so hard. It's easy for me to like say that to the person that I love, but it's so hard for me to remember that for myself. Like none of this has killed me yet. Like God has always had me back or had my back through it. Um, and it is always better. So with that, I will pass.
0: Lisa, thanks for those comments. And really, you know, what what really hit my spirit there too is, um, uh, when you're talking about like objectified or however you, you said it, no one really uses me for sex. I kind of wish they would, but you know, like my relationship with people, I'm not really like, you know, that's not happening there. But but man, you know, a lot of my relationships, man, I, I have a component like really like deep within me that I think if I don't, then they won't. Like if I don't do that, then they won't. And that's a fucking, that's brutal, man. Like I have it like with my friends or with people in, in you know, in, in A and even with my with my sons, like I look at it and it's like, man, they won't love me if I don't do this, this and this and stuff. It's deep, man. Thanks for sharing that. You know, and, and, and the cool thing is most of those things, it's just not factual. You know, most of those things are not factual. It doesn't mean like the feelings associated with it don't, they fucking sting, man. You know, so thanks for thanks for sharing that. Jane, we're at the bottom of page 41 in our inventories. Would you be willing to read the next two?
2: Sure. I'd be happy to. In our inventories, we assessed the emotional effects of our addiction. Some of us became so skilled at shutting down our feelings with drugs or other distractions that by the time we came to our first meeting, we had lost touch with our own emotions. In recovery, we learned to identify what we are feeling. Naming our feelings is important, for once we do so, we can begin to deal with them rather than panicking over how we feel we can specifically say how we're feeling. This gets us away from our limited way of identifying feelings as either good or bad with not much in between. We make a list of our resentments for they often play a large part in making our recovery uncomfortable. We cannot allow ourselves to be obsessed with hostility towards others. We look at the institutions that may have affected us, our families, schools, employers, organized religion, the law or jails. We list the people, places, social values, institutions and situations against which we bear anger. We examine not only the circumstances surrounding these resentments, but we look at the part we played in them. What in us was so threatened that we experienced such deep emotional torment? Often we will see that the same areas of our lives were affected again and again. I'm always like three paragraphs behind you guys. (laughs) It's like by the time you get done explaining, then it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that was a good point back there three paragraphs ago. So um, I I really um, love the how and why uh, step four, uh, especially for new people, um, uh, partly because it kind of breaks it up into little sections. Um, Like I number uh, the part about fears is section number four. And um, this part over here that I was just reading on resentments is section number five. And, and partly the reason I do that is because if I'm reading step four and I'm sitting down, I mean, who in the hell wouldn't be scared off? <laughs> That's a big bunch of chunks of truth. And it can be really hard, especially for procrastinators, uh, to look at the whole thing and say, yeah, I'm going to start writing today and get done in what was that? 30 days, 30 days. So I, um, so I usually break it up into chunks with them. Uh, sometimes, um, I have them, especially in the really hard parts that we just talked about it on cheating and stealing and lying, uh, have them do the writing while we're together, um, to, to get through some of it. Um, I also let them know that, you know, it's probably not going to be the last four step you ever do. Um, and uh, try to share some of it myself and uh, some of the angers and resentments that I was just reading about, which uh, was uh, real important for me to get through the day so that I could have some moments of serenity and some peace. Uh, just saying it out loud helped an awful lot and also helped me learn that black and white, good, bad, right, wrong, that there's whole gray areas in between. Um, that I wasn't even aware of, because I lived in such a black and white world. Uh, and um, and I really think sponsorship, and I know it's already been talked about, but it, it, I think sponsorship and guidance is real important. Um, you can get down in the deeps of depression and hopelessness pretty damn fast looking at some of that stuff, uh, especially when we don't really take a look at the good sides of it too which is back in my for me and back in sections two and three uh, there's good parts to me too and i it can get lost pretty fast by the time i get to this part um so i really think the resentment part is pretty cool to look at and i think that long before i had a god long before i had a god that i trusted i had a person in my life that i trusted And I called her sponsor, um, closed mouth friend, whatever. But I didn't have the faith, let alone the faith in a God to um, think of that it's going to be okay, and that I'm lovable and I'm enough. Um, But I felt like I was loved by her and that she would keep my confidence. And that was my experience for the first couple of four steps was that I got better at looking at myself without going into dark depression and excessive misery. And she got better at being able to help me look at some of those truths. Um, so if you're out there and you're kind of struggling with this and it seems overpowering to you, just chunk it up. Take one chunk and look at it. And do the writings around it and if you have to do it with her sitting there that's cool too um, but it's it's not something that has to be in my opinion doesn't have to be done overnight or it doesn't even have to be done in 30 days uh, but start and keep working on it um, once you dig some of this up and then you set the four step aside it was just it for me it eats at me and eats at me and eats at me and eats at me. and uh, and I got to get uncomfortable in order to get comfortable. that's that's just the truth of it. Uh, I don't do anything because I was comfortable today. <laughs> I do some changes is because I'm terribly uncomfortable. But uh, my level of pain has risen. I don't it doesn't take as much pain to get me started anymore. If I see see in my life, a pattern of a particular character trait, which is getting wonky or defected, I guess is another way of saying it, then I'm right at it. Let's sit down and talk about that because I don't want it to get way over there where it's causing tremendous amounts of pain in my life. That's enough out of me. Thank you.
0: Thanks for those comments, Jane. So, Paul?
3: Hey, um, it said, rather than panicking over how we feel, we can specifically say how we're feeling. That's the thing. We don't talk about it a lot in meetings, but I think the thing that is fearful for this addict, I assume most addicts, is this feeling of being overwhelmed. We don't do well with being overwhelmed. And, And we are overwhelming people, we continue to think about stuff over and over in endless loops it talks about in our literature. We can't just think of something one time, we have to go, like, play it from this angle and this angle and this angle. And so that's what we, especially when we start to write on the fourth step, we start thinking and this just kind of endless loop starts. And look, I, I agree with Jane, it, there's not a right or wrong way to do it, except not. There, you can do it in chunks, you can do it all at one time, you can do it in 30 days, you can do it in 30 months, you can do whatever you can do, but just don't stop. Consistency is the key here, which is not our that's not a bedrock for addicts, or at least not this addict. Consistency is not our strong suit, so that's the thing. But this feeling of being overwhelmed, and I think we hit on it here in the fourth and fifth step, we write stuff down. We look for patterns, because Jane just said it. I'm not looking for the one time you robbed the bank and then you've never robbed a bank again. I doubt that that's how that happened, but I'm not looking for the event. I'm not looking for the got you, you did this. I'm looking for the over and over and over stuff that we did. And how I can stop doing these endless loops, not just thinking, but actions that are endless loops. That's what this process is about. And look, as I th- and look, I, you know, I know we don't work steps like there's another one, but when we're going over fourth and fifth step, we're writing patterns down so that when you get finished the fourth and fifth step, you have a list of character defects, I think they call them, but we have a list of these patterns that we'll head into the 6th and 7th step with. This I mean this all works together. But the great news is that once you do that, spoiler alert if you don't want to hear, once you do that, it's usually on a page or a page and a half and it's not this huge thing that overwhelms us and that has continued to overwhelm us throughout our lives. And we get so afraid of it that we don't even want to address it. And that's why we stop and don't do the fourth step. If Spoiler alert, it's going to be, it's already okay. Right, Douglas? It's already okay. And when you get this piece of paper at the end of it, if that's how you do it, because that's how I do mine. When you get this list of things at the end of it, it's not as bad as you thought it was. The process of putting something down on paper Let you notice where the patterns are and helps you address it. I do it every 28 days in a restaurant. I'm not looking for the bottle that you broke, the incident. I'm looking for, maybe we're cutting our meat not in right and we're not portioning it correctly. I'm looking at systemic issues to make my business better. So we are looking for this fourth step not to get you with what you've done. We are looking for systemic issues to make your life better that's all we're doing it's so easy it's so simple and we make it so hard and the six step sucks more than the four step anyway so fucking get moving thanks
0: thanks for those comments paul and and paul would also like to tell everybody if you are going to put the 30 day clock on that 30 days is up on May 25th, Per call in the chat, <laughs> so, so, so you've
3: been playing at home. <laughs> May 25th.
6: All right, Andrew, what's happening? I had like, a, like I don't know, this moment here and listening to these two paragraphs of just like, kind of, I guess the pop of my own head coming out of my ass type thing of like the feelings That's something that I'm not good at. Like, I, and like, it just kind of shook me a little bit and I've done this in the past of recovery of reference to feeling wheel. Right. Because like, even with some time, like I am limited in my way of identifying my feelings as good and bad, you know, like I am happy. I am angry. I'm upset. And that's kind of it, you know, or I'm scared. Like, that's, like, pretty revelatory when I'm, like, oh, I'm I'm in fear right now. But there's so much nuance and stuff like that. And I don't know. It like, it's just something that, like, I haven't done very recently. And I felt a lot of that overwhelm, you know, being overwhelmed at work that kind of Paul was talking about really, really spoke to me. Um, and it's, like, man, like, I have to connect with that, you know. But, like, that when I can start to identify my feelings and, and then maybe, like, I don't don't know that like I can influence them, but like there's something to be said for about like accurately label what I'm experiencing in the world today, like really connecting with Andrew's reality. Um, The second thing was down in this resentments paragraph, what in us was so threatened that we experienced such deep emotional torment, right? And like resentments, I think sometimes for me, I mean, even now, like they can be about the incident, right? Like they can be about the thing, But the reality is, is like, like I said, I've been kind of in it. I've been playing these resentments in my head and these fights with people that I'm not sure if they exist. I know that I work with them, that there are assholes that I work with. And I know I'm going to get in this fight with them. But like, I just haven't let I'm resenting people in the future is what I'm doing right now. What in me is so threatened that I experience such deep emotional torment, right? Like it is not about somebody stepping on my shoe it's all of my insecurity before that you know and like i I just think that's such a profound way to look at this right That like it just really i don't know it rocked me and so i had to raise my hand and share it thanks for letting me share
0: thanks for those comments andrew reminds me of a conversation i had with barb a couple weeks ago had a new boss come in and, and, and i had an overwhelming resentments to this lady it was like fucking from the way she dresses to the way she speaks to every you know everything else and it it up thinking barb you know i wanted to hit up a little bit of street barb and i wanted barb to be like yeah fuck her but barb <laughs> barb hit me with and she, she's just a mirror you know that's showing you about about stuff that happened way before you interact with her and i was like oh fuck I call for street barb. I don't want, I don't want this one, you know, I'll call you back or something, but man, that's what you're exactly right. Like the, the, you know, what happens today or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's definitely shit that's coming up from before. And here's the cool thing, man. Like if stuff's coming up, guess what? It's ready to come out. And that's really cool. You know, we're ready to work on that. If it's coming up, it's ready to come out. What's up, Eric?
7: Hey, yeah, I was, uh, glossing over this stuff and just, keep my mouth shut until I keep hearing people say what I need to hear. And, you know, the truth is I feel out of my depth here, man. Like I still feel very confused about my emotions. And uh, on top of that, like why I feel the way I feel, that's just like, uh, <laughs> I can't even crack that one. Um, and and the truth is I feel several emotions at the same time, man. Like I can experience joy while I'm sad, you know, and I don't know if that, that fucking makes me feel crazy sometimes. So I hear everybody else like delineating these things and I'm like, Oh, they've got it all. Segmented really nice and I I have a lot going on in my head and uh, I've been very overwhelmed lately too and I thought it was just because of the amount of stuff I have on my plate. But the truth is, I'm fucking overthinking it. I'm I'm thinking constantly and then at night I just want to shut it off instead of practicing accepting these feelings and like just taking a moment with my higher power. I'm not doing it, man. I'm not doing it. I'm like so overwhelmed that I just want to escape. You know what I mean? The same pattern is repeating that I just want to escape. Go put on Netflix, go play some Call of Duty and yuck it up and, um, you know, not not like spend some time with this stuff and like accept what's going on in my life. Man. And then I heard somebody say that uh, sixth step was more than the fourth anyway. Well, for me, the ninth was even worse than all of those, but it was also the most enlightening because a lot of those things that I wrote down in the fourth step about how, how my actions affected other people really became clear in the ninth step when doing my amends or making my amends and, and hearing how my actions actually affected those people it was really crazy how fucking far off it was from what I thought a lot of the shit that I thought was big was inconsequential. Some of the shit that I thought was inconsequential actually had a big impact. So that even like opened my mind even more. Um, so anyways,
0: thanks for letting me participate. Thanks for your transparency, Eric. Thanks for those comments. Barb, would you be willing to read the next two couple long ones? It's going to take us to the bottom of 43.
4: Sure. We look at our relationships as well, especially the manner in which we related to our families. We don't do this to place blame for our addiction on our families. We keep in mind that we are writing an inventory of ourselves, not of others. We write about how we felt about our families and the way we acted on our feelings. In most cases, we'll find that the patterns of behavior we established early in life are what we carried with us up to the present. Some of our patterns and choices have served us well, while others have not. Through the inventory, we search for the patterns we want to continue and those we want to change. Writing about all of our relationships is very important and we'll want to pay particular attention to our friendships. If we gloss over examining our platonic relationships in favor of focusing on romantic relationships, our inventories will be incomplete. Many of us come to N.A. never having had a long term friendship because of conflicts within ourselves. Those conflicts were the real grounds for the arguments. We started with our friends and our ensuing refusal to work through the disagreement and continue the friendship. Some of us felt that we would end up getting hurt in any close friendship. So before that happened, we arranged the end of the friendship ourselves. We may have feared intimacy to such a degree that we never revealed anything about ourselves to friends. We may have Induce guilt in our friends to ensure their loyalty or indulge in other forms of emotional blackmail. If our friends hit others in their lives, we may have felt so jealous and insecure that we tried to remove the threat of their other friends. Our behavior ranged from taking our friends hostage to taking them for granted. We may have, we may find several instances where we sacrificed our friendships for romantic relationships. And, um, I've done a lot of that. The jealousy. I think it's interesting when you when you get like a sponsorship family. It's it's like you see when you get a new sponsee, how the other one gets jealous, or you get jealous. When you know it's interesting how how childish we are, and how we grow up and and um, learn through that stuff. And I like the beginning is me. We look at our relationships. Especially the manner in which we're related to our families. For me, it's all about where, where, you know, I said, I always say recovery is full circle going back to that little girl, you know, because I brought a whole lot of baggage. I had the ism way before I picked up drugs and alcohol, you know, and, um, and I brought that stuff with me, you know, and it's about, and, and it's not about blaming, you know, somewhere it didn't, it's about understanding and being able to respond and not react. To know, like when I, like I was Big Bad Street Barb, and when I came in, I would have told you I wasn't scared of nothing. And then I, forgot, I realized through the steps that I was scared of everything. So when I, when I get in touch with those patterns and I look at that childhood, I can see why I'm overreacting to this. You know, while I, there's a guy, what else says I pole vault over mouse turd. Why I'm pole vaulting all over a mouse turd, you know, when that's not called for. And it's something, you know, usually from my childhood or something. You know, and I get the chance to I can sit there and and um, assess where this is coming from. And, and just in that pausing and reflecting on it, then I get to respond and not react and choose how I want to react to that. And I like this about the relationship, about uh, friendship becomes a conflict within ourselves. People were disposable to me. I can't tell you I didn't have any childhood friends that were really close. Paul has all these childhood friends still. You know, and I get jealous of that because I didn't. People were disposable. You know, my dad abandoned me at a young age. My mom lied to me that said my stepdad was my dad. So that's my two primary caretakers right out of the gate. You know, I don't have a trust, you know. So I, I didn't, you know, it was a long time for me to be able to trust in recovery. You know, and I brought all that baggage into the room. So people were disposable, you know, and um. We may have feared intimacy to, to such a degree that we never revealed anything about us. I never said I love you. I can't remember my family of origin ever saying I love you. I didn't say, I learned to say I love you in the rooms. You know, I learned to be intimate and look you in the eyes and show you I love you in the rooms. I learned to hug in the rooms. I didn't have any of that shit, you know, before I got to the rooms. And, um, you know, I've I've learned all that here. And, and, and when I came in, I didn't like men. I prostituted on the streets. 17, I hit the streets and prostituted. I saw, I saw the worst in men. And I had, I had this big database and guess what? You guys didn't do too well, you know? And when I came in the rooms, I had a problem with men, you know? And, and it's interesting how in my recovery, I came in blaming my mom and then realized when I didn't do so well being a parent, and I came in blaming society and then society through a Pell grant, different programs helped me rehabilitate myself, you know, and um, I came in hating men and it was men, there were men that um, helped me heal. You know, I have I have male friendships today that that um, are very important to me and that I feel safe in, you know, and, and it's been a process to be able to heal from that stuff. You know, you don't just have, you know. I, I'll never lose some of this stuff. Like character defects, I don't think I'm ever going to lose all of them. They just get in balance. And the same with these issues. They don't rule my life, but I don't lose them. I just understand what's going on. I understand what makes Barb tick a little more. You know, I'll always have abandonment issues because I had a dad that abandoned me, you know, but I have people now, I have friends today that don't abandon me, you know, and better and more yet, I don't abandon me. You know, I love that song, Miley Cyrus, flowers. I, you know, I can love me better than you can, you know, and, and I don't say that in downing men. I say that because I feel that in my heart today. I can love me better than you can, you know, and I got a higher power that can love me better than you can. But guess what? I got friends like you that can love me too. So, you know, that's pretty awesome today. I got all that in recovery. I got freedom. That's what, when they say freedom, I got freedom from Barb, <laughs> you know, not only from addiction, I got freedom from Barb and all this programming and all this shit in my childhood, you know, and I truly do have freedom today, you know, and I'm so, so, so grateful because a lot of my family doesn't have that freedom. I see a lot of people all the times so they don't have that freedom and, and um, I do. So I love you guys. Thanks. I
0: love you too, Barb. Thanks for those comments. What's up, Jennifer?
8: Thanks for sharing that, Barb. I'm like over here trying not to cry. I'm like typing something up to avoid the feelings, you know, opposite of what we're supposed to be doing here. But, you know, whatever. Um, This line just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And it, you know, it, it, you know, shaped me who I am today. And I've always had to do a lot of work on this patterns of behavior we established early in life or what we've carried with us up to the present, and I'd like to say that I got clean and all that shit went away, right? Like I did around a round of steps, it's gone, you know. Um, that's not my story, you know, and um, and it talks about our patterns and our choices, and um, you know what we learn in our inventory and our patterns. And you know, it's it's funny, like up until I had some awareness on where I was in my life and why I did what I did, and the kind of the baggage I carried in, and and all of that, and uh, you know was from just not being good enough when I was growing up, right? I wasn't tall enough, I wasn't pretty enough, I wasn't skinny enough, I wasn't, you know what I mean? Like I, like the messages that I heard regularly, right? Like I still at 47 years old have a hard time going into a fitting room because it was torture with my mother trying on clothes because I just wasn't who she thought I should be. Um, and I carried that, I've carried that over and over and over again in my life. the The difference today, and even though that stuff still, I don't want to say haunts me. I don't think that's the right word, but it's still very apparent in some of the um, um, the way that I act or like this, that we talked about it in uh, gut gut-wrenching, gut-wrenching insecurities. Like all of that stems from growing up the way that I did. Now, what's happened today is the awareness that I have and the inventories that I've done and the evidence shows that none of that stuff is true, but my programming still like, as I was sitting here, I was like, fuck, I still feel that way. Like, what is wrong with me? And the truth is, is that there isn't really anything wrong with me. It's just, I made choices over the years in my recovery that continue to put me in those places, because that's where I was comfortable. That's what I knew. And instead of stepping out of the muck, you know what I mean? And doing something different. I was like, well, this is warm and squishy. Let's just stay here for a really long time so I can abuse myself. And you know, have gut-wrenching insecurities. That sounds like a good time, Um, um, which it wasn't, you know. um, And then I changed that. But it just, you know, slowly but surely over time, I can't blame my mother at 47 years old for why I don't feel like I'm enough. Can I say that that's where it comes from? Absolutely. You know, so what do I do today? I continue to inventory. I continue to talk about it. And I also... still live in certain shades of crazy, you know, um that aren't rational. you know what I mean? Addicts are not rational on the regular. That's been my experience. It's not a, an attack on anybody. It's an op, you know it's an observation and a per, from personal knowledge, right? Um, and so with that, um, the 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 good news is, is that there's always a solution for me, right? Whether or not I choose it or not is a whole different story. I didn't come in here with any self awareness. I acted, I reacted, all based on that stuff. And today, sometimes I still do, but often I'm able to take a step back and go, yeah, that's not true. Um, You know, I I see you, I hear you, but I don't believe it. Um, And that's the gift of recovery, right? Like I feel better about myself today than I have in a really, really long time. But again, I'm not perfect either. So, um, yeah so I'm really grateful that I got to see this and feel it and thank you for sharing Barb because I needed to hear all of that Um, and I'll pass thanks.
0: Thanks for your transparency Jennifer thanks for those comments all right folks um, those listening thanks for rocking with us for for another hour Um, if you know somebody who could benefit from this resource please do provide it love you folks. Hey, thank you for spending some time with us and walking on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so and reach out to us. There's a podcast number. There's a Facebook page. um, And you probably um, have contacted one of the squad already. Continue to do so. Pour into us. Allow us to be filled up and that way we can continue to pour into you. I love you, folk.